Uh, kia ora guys, Kristen Harper here. I'm one of the uh, the founders for the uh, for the Nisian Network. And uh, when we started this, we we started it for about three reasons: to uh, you know connect and encourage collaboration within our network, uh, to create business opportunities, and to celebrate success. Because I think it's one thing with the Māori and PI we don't do a lot is, is celebrating success. And you know we've been really lucky to have the uh, the level of the speakers that we've had, and uh, today's no different. So you know. Really humbled to uh, have the time here this morning with um, Sione Fawamuina and um, you know we'll be having a wee bit of chat about his uh, background and uh, you know the, the business that he's created now and um, you know looking forward to having a chat so Sione thank you thank you mate great to see you this hey, morning cheers no thanks thanks for having me and um, for, for those of you that don't know Sione uh, he was a professional league player uh, from about 2001 to 2009 um, he's authored uh, book called The Second Phase and now has created a business called The Athlete Empire and I think what you've done with that Sione is probably something that I don't think too many or from what I've seen too many people have done and I remember seeing you put a video out on uh, Facebook probably about a year and a half or two years ago about mm -hmm. how the uh, agents work within professional rugby league and I, I thought that was really interesting because I never never knew anything about that but bro if you could just say uh, yeah just give us a wee bit of you know Bit more about your background from from yourself would be yeah be great to hear. Yeah, awesome. Um, again, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, so yes, Sion Fomina, um, the founder of Athlete Empire, and uh, what we do is we work with professional athletes and helping them uh, build digital assets, and uh, so try and leverage, uh, build and leverage their personal brand so they they can start you know generating some revenue outside mm -hmm. of sport. Um, played professional rugby league uh, at the Raiders, Warriors, Cowboys, and then finished up in the UK. Uh, was living in Brisbane since 2010 and decided to make the move back home. Uh, there were a few reasons. Um, one, we wanted to raise our kids at home. Yeah. Uh, and two, uh, my wife and I, our parents are back here, so we wanted to be closer to them, uh, especially as they're nearing retirement age. Mm. So, um, and so basically, uh, overarching thing is, you know, I finished playing rugby league, didn't have anything to fall back on, uh, made a bit of dosh, had nothing uh, when I finished, um, struggled for about three or four years, jumping um, from career to career, trying mm. to still find my way through this journey we call life. Um, and then it wasn't until I actually wrote um, the second phase that sort of the penny dropped. And that reminded me of, you know, some of the great things that I had achieved in sport. And then I thought to myself, well, how can I best leverage and utilize all this experience that I've got? And that's sort of the path I've been on, right? I've been a speaker, I've run corporate trainings, mm -hmm. you know, basically just packaging my knowledge and experience and delivering it to a market. And, uh, and then I did that for about two years uh, before sort of launching Athlete Empire because I was I had the epiphany around, hey, if a former athlete could do this, imagine what our current sports stars could do with what I've done. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and that's sort of where we're headed at the moment. But it's funny because once I launched Athlete Empire, I was getting a lot of messages from people saying, bro, are you ever going to work with non-athletes? Like this stuff can work with non-athletes. Yeah. Right? And I was like... The same principles, right? It's the same principles. Yeah. And so, which is funny, right? I'm running a free uh, workshop tomorrow, like um, tomorrow evening, yeah. uh, about how to 
develop and launch profitable online programs, um, which is what basically a digital asset or the main digital asset that we teach athletes, right, is to uh, take their knowledge online, serve many people and generate an income doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because when you were talking last week at the Nisian Network, there was a few things that sort of hit me right on the head, you know, just even when I'd set up Mm -hmm. one of my first businesses, you know, trying to get everything right, packaging it and then getting out and trying to sell it where, you know, you said something around, you know, just get out to sell it, make sure that people sort of want it and then sort of create it from there. And, um, you know, when I was listening to that, I was like, yeah, <laughs> it was good to hear. But hey, bro, um, we're just about to go into level two. Has this whole, um, you know, I guess before we get into the pandemic, had, a, had a, an impact positively or negatively on your, on your business? Um, it's affected it both positively and negatively. The percentage, I would say positively. Um, uh, the reason I say that is because I, once we hit level four, mm. I went hell for leather. I started to push and keep moving forward because I saw the opportunity yeah. uh, for what I was doing, which is why I was still making sales for our platform. Right? <laughs> so, um, because I... I noticed that there were a lot of people who were trying to get online. Yeah. Um, but as you know, if you're bricks and mortar and you try and transition online, whether the biggest, best example is fitness gyms. Yes. Right? You're all trying to get online. It's totally different. Mm. Right? It's a totally different space. It's not like you can take what you know offline, online. There's so many different things that you have to consider. And so for me, in sort of launching that, uh, running that workshop tomorrow mm. was to help those people uh, with a with a framework to how to actually win online. And yeah. so um, the pandemic has actually it's almost enhanced sort of my offering in terms of athlete empire. Mm. Uh, and then um, as we move as I move towards sort of helping the non athletes around developing digital products. So yesterday one of our athletes we worked with um, created a lead magnet that we worked off him on, yeah. did, uh, did it all organically, right? Just did one Facebook, Instagram swipe up story. Yes. Uh, 186 emails. Oh, wow. Right? 186 emails. And, um, and so he messaged me this morning and was like, bro, I got 186 emails. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> right? And I said, dude, do you know how much people pay? Non F like people will pay to get an email uh, through a campaign. You did it off the fir- your first one organically, right? Hey, I've done big campaigns in the past where I've got bloody nothing out of it, like no emails at all. You know, yeah. so yeah. that's that's massive. Oh, it's massive. And but what but what we did was I said, look, let's just let's just chuck in a thank you page with an, with a sale with a sell to your four-week program yeah let's just, let's just throw it out there right let's just see what happens yeah nothing to lose eh? yeah right and so uh he had one person say bro i want to buy but I, your payment thing's not working that's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like that key thing like, everything's working and then the payment's like damn <laughs> and so you know and he was like stoked day eh? like because yeah. I, I i shared with him i said bro you know when when people do this stuff the first time they mm. never get one. They will probably never get an email. Two, they'll never get a person buying off the bat, a cold yeah. audience, right? And so I just had to remind them and say, bro, you, you, you did awesome. 
Yeah. I said, but the work's not done. Like now your first users into your program come from those 186 emails and now we just got to nurture them. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. That's awesome. Um, Hey, if we we sort of go back a wee bit, can you tell me about the, um, I guess before the business, can you tell me about the transition from rugby league into, like, I guess, can you just talk me through that transition from rugby league and you know, into your business? And can you just talk me through, mm. yeah, well, some of those challenges? Because I think after being, a, I'm guessing after being such a high-profile league player, being in the spotlight and then all of a sudden sort of having to get a like a real job and get back in the normal mm. life, yeah, it must have been quite challenging. Man, it was more than just challenging. It was, rugby league was all I knew. Mm. Straight out of, you know, um, 18 years of age, that's all I had known for, you know, my whole adult life really yeah. up until that point. And so my first job was working at a drive through bottle shop uh, for uh, in Brisbane for a yeah. guy who was part of the Thoroughbreds, which is a elite group of businessmen in Brisbane who backed the, the Broncos. Yes. And so he gave me a job. He owns about 20 pubs. Um, and... Uh, the idea that he wanted was to work me up to eventually run one of his pubs. Um, but when you've got a bit of a drinking problem, that's probably not the best place to, <laughs> yeah. best place it's, it's to like work. It's like if you're a sex addict and putting you into a brothel, right? <laughs> well, like, yeah, exactly. Probably it's not the like, best analogy, but. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it was like that. And so, you know, I, I really struggled with the whole working um, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, coming from playing professional sport where everything's handed to you on a platter, um, and so I worked there for three months, mm. and then my partner at the time she was due to give birth to our uh, first child, and then I needed to make more money, so I got a job in construction. Um, and then how I got that job was was through rugby league. Mm. Um, I, I was like, oh. I wonder if they play league in this place because it was in a place called Gladstone. Yeah. And there was uh, four gas plants going up in Gladstone and the projects were all worth multiple billions of dollars. Yeah. And the workforce they were looking for was between three and 5,000 people per wow. plant. Right. And the average, I think, take home was around three and a half grand. Um, and so I was like, oh, I wonder if they play league there. So I rang... I emailed the league club mm. and said, hey, keen to come up and play some footy if you can get me on this job site. And they were like, sweet. So I moved to Gladstone, uh, worked at a job for the first two months before they got me on the site. So, yeah. uh, And that's sort of, yeah, I started working in mining construction, did electrical apprenticeship. Um, oh, wow. And did that for, yeah, did that for about four years. And then throughout my footy career i always wanted to start a business mm. um and i had so many ideas i read like i would research but never take action on it yeah like i remember one idea i had in 2004 was to create uh like school lunch deliveries right yeah there's a company that does it in christchurch now which is doing really well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like hey um so, you know, I've always had, a, I think I've always had an entrepreneurial sort of spirit. Yeah. Um, and then my first business I started was a laundromat. And how, oh, that, wow. come, yeah, how that come about was I was doing my, uh, my washing 
at a laundromat out just outside my suburb and it was terrible the place like they didn't even have seats they didn't even have folding tables and i remember telling my wife when we were driving home i said flip that's useless they don't even take care of their customers yeah. we need one we need a laundromat here and as we were driving i said that'll be a good place and then um stopped reversed the car drove up saw there was a for lease sign uh and then within four months we had opened oh wow it was literally just like that like uh opened in four in four months um i did all the sort of prep work obviously uh and then yeah we ran that sold that last year yeah so we opened oh. in 2014 and then we sold it in july last year yeah to prep for the move back home so, are they sorry do you mind if I ask, are they very profitable we've just got one that's open up down the road from ours and i think it's got to be in the right area as well eh? It's one of those things that it'll just it'll just turn over without you really having to do too much, right? Uh, yes and no, um, because they're profitable if you have like a couple or yeah. you know more than two. I guess we did all right because our laundromat was mm. in the fastest or sorry, excuse me, one of the fastest growing um, regions in Queensland. Yeah. And so there was no laundromat in our suburb, and we had a, already had over thirty thousand people. Oh wow! Um, just in our, they call it a satellite city, Springfield. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, within six months of opening, we had two offers. Mm. Oh wow! We had two offers to buy within six months, and when we, when I had signed the agreement for the lease, another laundromat owner tried to undercut me. So he tried to go to the lease agent and offer more money to open a laundromat in that space. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. How did that work out? Well, so, it didn't work, didn't work out at all, did it? So, no, no, it didn't. So I had, a, yeah, I had him up. Like, I found out who he was. I had him up. I was like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Like, and he goes, oh, I thought you weren't uh, following through with it. I said, I signed the lease. <laughs> um, but we didn't. Like, here's the thing. I had no money, bro. Yeah. Right. I had no money. So, you know, OPM, other people's money, we yeah. leased the machines, uh, got a $40,000 loan. Mm. Um, and within eight, uh, just under 18 months, we were, we started to turn a profit. So, yeah. you know, and then we sold it and made a bit of cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes to the next one and the next one. That's it. See, but that, that there, if I was to do it all over again, man, Oh, I would do it so much better. Yeah. Like, like I guess we all the hindsight's a funny thing, right? And after I guess all these experiences up until now, you can look at I would have mm. done this and I would have done that, but it's all part of that learning, eh? Exactly. One hundred percent. It's all part of that learning. And you know, that's the best business degree I've ever taken. Mm. It's just all those and I've done that with with my business as well, and it's all been a lot of trial and error but it's just one of those mm. things the older i'm getting the more i'm like i know what i need around me and i know what i don't need around me and yep. for me uh, you know after after a couple of businesses for me i, I decided I don't, I don't want to be doing it by myself i want to be working with teams and mm. and with, with, with my full-time role I'm, I'm working with a large team and i really enjoy that i re enjoy that leadership side but that's taken me a hell of a long time to sort of realize as well but it's mm. again it's all part of that learning and from there, so so after that, did you move to New Zealand up after that? Back back home after yeah. that? Yep, moved back home after that. I st I started sort of doing my uh, virtual business. 
around 2017. So mm. doing mentoring and coaching all online, uh, then developed two online programs mm. uh, and then started Athlete Empire to focus purely with athletes. Um, and then, yeah, then moved back home uh, to Rotorua where I'm at now. So when did you, uh, so did you, when did you write the, when did you write your book? So I wrote the book in 2016, yeah. launched in 2016. Um, and then sort of everything that I do now came off the back of the book. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a book is a great, uh, like leverage <clears throat> tool, right? Yeah. You, it's, it gives you instant credibility authority. So, um, I didn't know that when I wrote it, but I yeah. damn sure knew it after it. Yeah. So what made you write, so what made you write a book? My mate, so my best mate that I grew up with, he's a bit of a writer. And he was like, Sione, you've made some changes in your life. Because I stopped drinking in 2014 mm. and been sober ever since. And around 2015, he said, man, you should you should write a book. Mm. And I was like, nah, what for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and he goes, man, you're, you, know, you went through a lot. You've come out the other end. <clears throat> yeah. And so that was it. That was basically sort of how we started. I started writing the book in 2015, did yeah. like the first probably two, two chapters, then I shelved it. And then around May 2016, my mate goes, bro, what's happening with the book? And I was like, nah, don't want to do it. And he goes, oh, because he, he was helping me write it. And he yeah. goes, oh, look, let me just drop the synopsis. I'm a, I'm a, I write for a sports blog. He goes, let me just drop that in the sports blog and see how we go. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So he dropped it in on Sunday at 6 p.m. By the following Monday, 6 p.m., there were 22,000 views. Wow. And then, but what I didn't know was that he wrote in the blog coming out October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? And he goes, bro, let's, like, this is what you need. And then, yeah, I wrote the rest of the book in May, June, July, August, September. Yeah. In four months, I wrote the rest of the book wow. and then got it published edited published and then launched it in november 1st so we missed our october deadline but yeah but it creates that anticipation as well eh? you know you get that, that four months just to get you to start thinking about it writing it and then then sort of that time to i guess start promoting it as well and yeah just, exactly we take a step back from what was your catalyst to change from um you know when you when, when you gave up drinking uh so it was it was more around my daughter with my previous partner. Yeah. Um, you know, we were having a bit of uh, a few issues around visitation yeah. uh, after we split, and the thing um, she was holding over my head was my drinking. Yeah. So I literally got to the point where my family lawyer at the time sat me down and just read the riot act to me. It yeah. was like, dude. You're spending all this money paying me to help you. Uh, you need to make a choice. Is it alcohol or your daughter? Mm. Um, and it was literally on in that meeting on th Thursday, the 14th of February, mm -hmm. uh, Valentine's Day, which I, that was the day I stopped drinking. Yeah. Well, I say sliding door moments of life, eh? You either take this path or you take that path and what a difference it can make. Yeah, massively. It, 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 it did and it, it got to the point where because the longest i had gone without drinking was six weeks <clears throat> yeah and then my wife she was like babe do you know what today is and i was like what she goes it's been six months since she had a drink and oh, i was wow. like 
wow, I didn't even, wasn't even counting, right? And I remember all my friends, uh, <clears throat> people that knew me, when they started whispers or things started to get out that I'd stopped drinking, they couldn't believe it. They were like, nah, not Sione. No, you're crazy. Even my family, they were like, there's no way in hell Sione stopped drinking. Yeah. Nah. And then, lo and behold, right, because uh, when they started, when my real friends and, and um, close family saw that, man, this is real, they yeah. all started to support me. I saw the change that was happening in my family in terms yeah. of my brother now doesn't has stopped oh, drinking. Wow. Uh, my uh, cousins reach out to me um, saying that they want to stop drinking. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and so it's the flow-on effect that, that's happened from, from that. Mate, that's, that's, that's awesome. Like, I, I didn't know that. And um, I think alcohol and alcoholism has such a buddy tight grip on so many lives. And even me over the years, I've sort of gone those waves and, you know, and, and I know I could have done yeah. a lot more if I wasn't drinking. So it's um, one of those things, I think it's a real, and especially with this pandemic of what we're going through now, because mm. you know, people have got, got a lot more time and people are coping with things in different ways. So um, So that's really cool. So before you started Athlete Empire, what yeah, what was life like for you? Man, life was it was pretty, I guess, normal. Right. Um, I was sort of working from from home or work from anywhere really, um, and that was sort of one of the biggest things for me was around creating a virtual business was mm. uh, the flexibility and the freedom. So. Um, and then obviously income and being able to uh, take my kids to school, be home when they mm. come back from school. Uh, my wife, she didn't have to work. And so, you know, I was, that was what we had in, in yeah. Brisbane um, and, uh, and sort of doing what I was doing. Um, the biggest move to come back home was almost like starting again. Mm. Um, but, it's 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 sort of built momentum now that I'm that I'm back home. So, yeah. um, so you become a digital like, nomad even before yeah, it was cool. Pretty much, right? Like, <laughs> no, I was doing, um, and this is funny, right? Like, I even like coming back home, I get heaps of people messaging saying, "Hey, you want to catch up for coffee?" Da, 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 or next time you're in Auckland, and I'm like, "Dude, what for? Let's just zoom." Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, uh, because. Time is like what most, uh, I guess, entrepreneurs, doesn't matter if you're a coach, consultant, whatever, mm. what they fail to recognize is your hourly rate, right? When you can understand what your hourly rate is mm. uh, and you do the tasks that bring in the most revenue, make the most impact. Mm. I stopped doing meetings and catch-ups a long time ago. Because yeah. <laughs> if there's no outcome to it, if we can just answer that on a call, Zoom call, or even via an email, it's just, it's just qualifying, it's qualifying just it as quick as you can. Time. Exactly, right? You just qualify as quick as you can. And um, it's funny that you brought up that sort of word virtual nomad um, mm. because it, it, it's it's something that um, I think most people are still unsure of, of how it works. Right? Yeah. And the biggest objective that I get to people from people around us is like, oh, I need that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Mm. Yeah. That's cool, right? But you look at, like, we're interacting right now yeah. and we're having that one-on-one -on -one interaction, mm -hmm. right? It's just virtually. So um, it took my wife a bit of uh, sort of convincing. Yeah. She's like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Man, my, my, <laughs> up in your room. 
<laughs> my partner used to say that even when I when I was running my business, she goes, I actually don't know what you do. And I'm like, I told you what I do and I've explained it. And it's just like, it's one of those things that, darling, you just do what you do. Just get it there, make money and, you know, like, yeah, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's um, it. I think what this pandemic's done as well, it's, it's actually forced that sort of communication, um, you know, with everybody mm. having meetings on Zoom. I know with, with, with my role, we're, we're pretty much, you know, three or four meetings every day at the moment. And that's just becoming normal. And mm. yeah, you're right. It's because um, I used to be like that as well. You know, being in sales, you know, I wanted to have a one-on-one meeting and all that. But whereas now, it's just you know, respecting your time, respecting their time, mm. and um, you know, just going if if we can do business, that's cool. But if we can't, that's okay as well. Then you just sort of leave it at that. Because as you know, yeah. a lot of sometimes a lot of these meetings are just going to go nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. I think as we get older, as I'm getting older, man, I'm just like, man, I don't have time to be, you know. Unless it's really strategic, I don't really have time to sort of, you know, be sort of wasting, you know, yeah. this may happen or may not happen. And It is, right? And it cracks me up because, you know, you can take all the photos that you want and post them on social media and make it look like you're the man, right? Like going to all these flat, like meetings, all these people, mm-hmm. but if there's no outcome, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. <laughs> Insta looks good though. <laughs> yeah, but your Insta and LinkedIn, everything looks good, but, you know. There's people yeah. who, who actually have a strategic plan around who they need to interact with and why. And mm. if there's no outcome, then, you know. Yeah. The whole, I, 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 the whole, oh, let's just, I'd like to catch up and then more about you. Cool, Google me. There's my website, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, time is, is, is valuable these days. And I think some people underestimate how valuable their time really mm. is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And what were your what were your biggest fears um, when you first started, or before you first started Athlete Empire? Um, man, my biggest fears was probably around tech, yeah. like because you know I was still learning about uh, a lot of the tech stuff, yeah. um, and then after that was man, like can I really help them? That was a big fear. Imposter syndrome. Can I? Yeah, that whole imposter syndrome. Can I really help them? Uh, But the more I dug deep into what I've what I had achieved, Mm. I knew one hundred percent that I could. And so, um, just being able to start, and then as I shared in that um, uh, Zoom uh, meeting that we had, you Mm. know, you you just learn and make iterations as you go. Yeah, and so. Uh, you know, Athlete Empire in 2017 is not the same Athlete Empire in 2020. Mm. But I wouldn't have known what 2020 Athlete Empire looked like had I not done it. Yeah. And did you have any uh, mentors along the way that helped you? Um, mate, I've had multiple mentors and coaches. Mm. Some good, some not so good. Um, and I guess it's so important to have um, a mentor like for me, a really good mentor is someone that not only keeps you accountable, but also provides support, but uh, also challenges you. Yeah. Right? Um, you don't want a mentor that's just going to keep giving you the answers. But well, keep telling you what you want to hear. Exactly. Right? And, um, and so if you have a mentor that covers those three bases, mm. um, you know, um, you've you're probably got a really good, good relationship. So, yeah. um, and you'll get the most out of that partnership. Yeah, it's funny uh, when we, uh, Stan and I first started talking about the Nisian Network about six months ago and we're sitting here talking about the ideas and he goes, why haven't you done it then? 
I'm like, what? Because why haven't you done it? Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm like, shut up, man. But he, you know, he hit me right in the head and he just said that. And he goes, and I said, you know why I didn't do it? Because I just didn't know how to set things up, um, do the events and all that. That's just not me. So we just started talking and that's where that where that plan come from. But it was very much, uh, you know, if you're not doing it, he's very much, why didn't you do it? Do this, yeah. you know, try that. And it's like, okay, cool. And I like that because you do get a lot of mentors and people that will just tell you what you want to yeah. hear and, and, you know, things sort of tend to just sort of go around in circles. But hey, there's three things off your website that I, I was looking at and again, really resonated me, uh, resonated mm. with me, which is, you know, how to be more resilient, uh, developing a champion mindset um, and how to mm. play, play, play to your strengths. You know, how did you create these habits and make the necessary changes? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, I think rugby league being you pick up a lot of these habits without even knowing um, because it becomes the norm right? um, through training for uh, like I said writing a book helped a lot yeah. <clears throat> um, but I guess the biggest thing around creating those habits was when, when I started my business yeah. uh, and doing what I'm doing, having that clear goal, uh, the end goal, as, uh, and being fueled by your why, mm. you, you're almost along the way. Because yeah. one of the things that I learned was, let's say, and I shared this with Athlete Empire within our members, is that if you want to be an all black, start acting like an all black now. Yeah. Start living like all black now start uh, you know thinking that you are an athlete don't wait what would they do uh, what are their habits mm. and then you automatically start to build your own because one thing that I don't want I guess people to think is that there's a like a, a certain structure or framework that you have to follow yeah for me it's what works for you um, as long as you're getting the outcome that you want and so that's pretty much how I'm I've built those those habits. Like yeah. you would know, right, in your business, there's stuff that you just do not want to do. And if you can't yeah. afford to outsource, so you've got no choice but to do it. Yeah. Right? But you're, you're not doing it because, um, what do you call it? You, you, you're actually doing those tasks to help you with the bigger end goal. Yeah. Now, if the end goal and purpose isn't big enough, you're just going to keep avoiding those tasks. Yeah, right? setting up email sequences and you know, all that, right? Doing your books and well, you're, right? you're just sort of going through, you're just going through the motions. You're going, oh, I need to do this because this is what all the other people are doing, and and that's a that's a yeah. big thing for me. And as especially since I've had my son, as I got older, you know, like as my why is 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 so important. You know, talk talk about this. You know, within sales, is that people, you know, if you under people understand, you know, what you do and why you do it then it's, it's easier for you to sell your stories because you're passionate about it. But if you don't give a shit in what you do, then people mm. sort of see that as well. They pick that up. So I think you're right there that the why is really important to that as well. So Sione, I, I had a look at, when I was having a look at your website, uh, you had some of the, uh, I guess, some of those key pillars and there was three of them that really resonated with me. You know, one was, you know, how to be more resilient, especially with this pandemic and what we're going through right now. That's, um, you know, for me, that's really timely. You know, developing a champion mindset and how to play to your strengths. You know, how did you create those habits for necessary change? 
Yeah, and I think the biggest uh, way I can describe that is when you've got a big uh, purpose, a big why mm. um, for your life, right? Um, because in order to be more resilient, build those habits, a champion mindset, mm. when challenges and adversity hit you right in the face, what helps you get over it is that big purpose, that big why for yeah. your life, for your business, whatever it is. And I believe that most people who, who sort of struggle with that area of being more resilient is because they actually have no life purpose. They yeah. actually have no goal or reason to mm. strive for. And so for me, being able to develop that actually comes off the back of having that big purpose and, and yeah. that reason because there's two there's two main factors when it comes to I guess creating habits and and um, and being more resilient is one yeah. we're either inspired by our purpose and our you know our goal or we're either in a place of desperation where we're desperate we've got no other choice yeah for some people that's not enough right and but for others being inspired is enough to keep yeah. going and so you know as a I guess for you and I we both know as a, as business owners, entrepreneurs, it's, you've got to be resilient. And yeah. the way you're resilient is because we didn't, right? like, we didn't start business. The main core driver for me wasn't to make millions of dollars. Don't get me wrong. That that's, would be, nice. be a great outcome. It would be a great outcome. But when I believe that, that exactly, right? I believe that that outcome comes off the back of delivering value. Yeah. And when you deliver value Great. first, that will come. Right, and so I always tell people, if I was in this to make hundreds of thousands mm. and millions of dollars, I would have flipping stopped four years ago. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, uh, you're right. Eh? And even when we uh, started the Nation Network, the very first meeting we had with the founders is, what are our intentions with this? You know, it was all about leading with value, um, mm. making sure <laughs> that you know part of this was all about creating value and creating opportunities for for the audience and. and we lead. We have to lead with that because if we lead with we want to make money, we want to do this. Then mm. it's, it's the wrong way to look at it. So I think that's really key because you you do enough to help a lot of other people get what they want. Then then ultimately you'll get what you want. And you made one really key key point there as well as um you know when you've got that why you've got that resilience to uh you know find and and, and attract sort of um, opportunities. Whereas if you don't sort of have that why and you sort of flounder. I think that energy, you, you attract what you want. So if you've got that energy that's really positive, then you tend to attract a lot more opportunities. If you're getting in that energy of desperation, then you tend to attract that. And people actually see that. And you know, being in sales for a long time, you know, I know I'm very aware of my energy. So if I'm in there and I'm having to get a deal and you're pushing that, people do pick up on that. So um, it's one of those things you, you, you really need to be um, mindful of that. And I think having that purpose and have, having that why really, really helps sort of make make that a lot easier. Yeah. Now, what what were some of the biggest challenges when you start, first started out? Uh, time management. <clears throat> so you know, time management was massive for me mm. uh, in terms of productivity and making the most of of the available hours right that mm. we have in a day. Um, because it's something time management is it is a skill right yeah. it is a skill that can be learned 
Um, but for most entrepreneurs, it's the skill that they least want to learn yeah. because <laughs> no, I've just got too much going on. I don't have time. Yeah. Da, 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 right. And so, and you also have to understand who you are as a person in terms yeah. of your attitude and behaviors. Right. Um, and so I know that I'm an, I have a visionary type mindset. That's yeah. sort of what I'm like when it comes to analytical stuff. I'm not that great, but mm. in order for me to grow, and to get the outcomes that I want, yeah. I needed to target that stuff that I wasn't good at. Yeah. Uh, and so where I'm at right now is so much better than where I was a year, two years ago in yeah. terms of that. Mm. And um, you're right, because I think as entrepreneurs, uh, you know, I think one of the things I was just saying before, you know, um, play to your strengths and, and again, if we get back to the Nation Network, you know, playing with my strengths, I know what I'm good at, but there's uh, technical stuff where, We've got Indy, she, she's great on that. We've got mm. everybody's playing their part because we've all got those skills in different places. I know what I need to learn, but I want to focus on bringing more out of, of what I do really well. Mm. And as you had grown that, what, what was your biggest setback over, over the last couple of years just with the Athlete Empire? So, when I first launched Athlete Empire, um, <laughs> I, it didn't go off as I planned. And I actually shelved it after six months and mm. put it in the back pocket. And then I went back to doing mentoring and coaching online. Um, and it, I guess that was one of the, that really hit me in the, in the, in the stomach. Cause yeah. I was like, here's the brand new shiny thing. No one's doing it. And then boom. Right. Uh, and so I never wanted to, I, I was like, I never want to work with athletes again. I'm not going to do this. And it wasn't until I actually went through what I went through after that that I relaunched it and said, you know what, it's, it, it has merit. I just needed to go through that to take the lessons out yeah. and, and sort of implement it as I, as I go. So that was the, the, the biggest challenge for me was um, around that failure. I thought I was, you know, a failure. Yeah. You know, I left my job to do it and then I had to go back to work and you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's I look back on everything that I've done in terms of where I'm at right now, and yeah. it's all just been one big learning curve, right? Fail fast, yeah. Uh, fail forward and, and keep going. So, and uh, like I, I did the same thing last year, and it was that whole it was a kick in the balls, and it was like a I felt like I failed because I haven't sort of done this, and mm. then I've got into a full time role, but now I think everything's sort of becoming a lot more clearer. So that's one of those things as you go through them, you just got to learn. You got to learn quick. I, I don't, I'm not a big thing of this fail fast. It's just more that just that learn quick, learn quick and then move on and make the changes that you need to make. Um, was there yeah. any point that you wanted to give up? Oh, there's, there's like every week. <laughs> I'm telling you, honest to God, every week yeah. for the last three and a half years, there's been one moment every week I wanted to throw it in, right? Straight up. Yeah. Like I look at people who want to get into this, right? Um, and for me, what drives me is my purpose, right? Yeah. It, it really does. And yes, like there's no lie. The last episode I had was two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's and, and, and I'm going to be transparent and open on this because I'm yeah. not going to fluff around and, and make it out like it's, I'm doing all good. Yeah. Right? Yes, I'm doing okay, but don't get me wrong. Like this is how I feed my family. Right, so there are times every week without fail where yeah. I just want to throw in the towel, right? But I tell you why I don't because there's people out there who I can help, yeah, right? There's people out there who I can serve, and so for me, that's what drives me as well. Yeah. 
but in 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 order for me to achieve my goal and purpose mm. and you said at the start help more people achieve what they want so you can have what you mm. want right and so that's sort of how i i look at it yeah and it always all goes back to that people <laughs> that why as well eh? like when shit gets hard yeah. it's Man, I know if I can help one or two there, then that's going to make a massive difference to their. It's not a massive difference to not only their lives, but their their, their whanau and all the people that are around them. Because as you were saying earlier, especially when you got off the drinking, how much of an Im- I don't think you probably would have realized back then how much of an impact that would have had. Mm. Uh, not only on the family, because because I didn't know that, and then you know, just saying your brother and all that started. You know, the family started talking about it and seeing those changes as well. So you just don't know. Mm what you do and how you do it has such an impact on, on the other people around you. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And what's been your biggest success to date? Um, biggest success. It's a loaded Ooh. question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh man, that's a tough and, one. I guess you, yeah. you can't say one of the kids because then it'll leave the other kid out. So at the yeah. moment, because I've got one, I can say that. <laughs> yeah. I think my biggest success to date um, would have to be um, probably having a positive impact in, in the lives of the people that I work with and the people awesome. that follow me. Um, and so being able to continually do that yeah. Coming back home to New Zealand has really opened my eyes uh, to the opportunities that are here. Mm. Um, and so, you know, like, you know, when I moved back in August last year, um, you know, I was focused on, on building Athlete Empire. Mm. And then around probably three months ago, I started working with, with a, a private client who wasn't an athlete and just teaching um, sharing what I knew and then seeing them succeed, right? Yeah. So I guess for me, it, it would be those things like just seeing the people that, that I help and those that follow me just get into yeah, Those positive outcomes. Yeah, 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 that's it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Now that you have found success and I guess, you know, what you've created in your dream mm. with Athlete Empire, um, what, what are, has there any problems that have arisen out of that? What what specifically do you mean? Uh, so, with uh, the uh, with what you've created, have there been any um, I guess any challenges around getting a profile within quite a different industry? Like, as I know, when um, when you first started out and you're doing some videos around the agents, mm. um, and that really blew me away. Seeing what the agents were charging the players and not doing anything mm. from them. Probably more specifically, that that I think. Let, I'll end the question to that. Has there been any challenges with that? Because because I know the institution of the agents and how they deal with the league players and rugby players and all that. Um, they clip the ticket. They don't do a hell of a lot. Has there been a bit of any recourse because of that? From from from. Oh, and- yeah. Look, there was a little bit. There was a bit of media um, in in Australia. Something got published. Um, mm. How you know. Um, that you know here I was having to go to agents and then here I, and then. Ta-da, I'm coming out to be one. Yeah. Right. So they were all like, man, that's the worst. That's a dog act, all that stuff. <laughs> um, and so that was probably the biggest backlash that came mm. from there. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but other than that, all I did was just highlight sort of the industry. 
Yeah. Right? Like six, seven percent and once a contract's done, never hear from them again. Yeah. And that's just that's just the way of the that industry works. Yeah. So um for a lot of I guess young Polynesian rugby rugby league players, they they sometimes they're they're duped into signing these long term contracts yeah. with these agents and you know, all that stuff. But um that was a fight that um that I may pick up again. Yeah. Right. When I when I have a bit more, I guess, resources and tools behind mm-hmm. me. Um, because it's 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 something that, you know, if you look it's at the right? rugby league, it's all always be there. Yeah. Right. The two biggest rugby management companies in New Zealand uh have eighty percent of the player market. Oh. Right. And and the largest demographic of rugby and rugby league players are Maori and PI. Yeah. And none of those agents, uh, management companies, like have almost virtually no Maori or PI staff. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think I think that's an exciting opportunity for you as well because <laughs> when you've got something that is that is an established mm. type of business and an established, this is the way we've always done it. When somebody comes in and does it quite a different way and is very specific about who they're serving, and that they'll be they'll be looking at it going, they'll be watching you and going. You know what is he doing now? How how are things going? Mm. Because you know you're right. I think in the next few years you will make a bit of an impact in there, which, which is bloody awesome. Yeah. So um, where to now? You know, next five years. How does that look for you? Oh, next five years. Um, in the next five years, I would have hoped to set up a hub here in Rotorua for entrepreneurs, mm. um, and sort of, you know, I would have a team of about three to four staff working out of there and really sort of smashing and uh, educating um, people on how to, you know, be a digital nomad, I guess, yeah. as you <laughs> as you put it, um, and start growing that. Um, because, like I said, coming back to New Zealand, there's a massive opportunity for 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 that here. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, yeah, so that that's sort of where I see myself in the next five years um, and really creating something special. Um, and have Rotorua be the hub yeah. for that. Very cool. Hey, and um, what advice would you give to any uh, budding Māori or Pacifica person wanting, wanting to get into business? And when I say business, I've, for me, business <coughs> isn't just corporate. It's about following your passions mm. and, and, you know, getting into creating a career out of, out of what you're passionate about. What's sort of one, uh, you know, I won't say one key bit of advice because there's probably a lot, but what, yeah. what, 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 what advice would you give? Yeah, I guess the biggest advice would be to test and uh, validate your idea concept, um, whether you're selling an information product, a physical product, or a service. And how you do that is basically just posting organically and saying, hey, I'm looking at starting this. Hmm. Is this something that you may be interested in? Just comment below, right? Uh, And then just start testing it. Hmm. Really start sort of, and it costs you nothing but time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so once you're able to get a bit of interest, then you can start to build it out as you go. I think where most budding young Māori and Pacific Island entrepreneurs um, sort of struggle is the starting phase. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's how, you know, that my advice to them would be how to start. Whatever it is that you have to offer, mm. start testing it now um, with potential I guess, members, clients, whatever it is yeah. your customer is, and seeing if it's something that, you know, will resonate and then start building it as you go. Yeah. 
I think that's great advice because, uh, you know, even as you mentioned the other week, there's a lot of uh, people will get into business, they'll try to get everything perfect first and then they'll try it yeah. out, whereas it is about trying, seeing if you can sell it first and then building it on the back of that, which I think is really key and especially for a lot of entrepreneurs as well because people always have that other, the, the opposite sort of it is I need to build it and then people are going to come. But as you know, yeah. these days, it's, it's, it, shit doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And you've got to get... And, and don't get emotionally attached to whatever it is that you yeah. want to, right? Because you may do your testing and, and validation and find out it's totally not what the market wants, but yeah. you can develop what they want. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Hey, Brian, finally, how can the Nisian Network help you achieve your goals? Um, if you, uh, the network, what, what would that look like? Ooh. I think um, I think being able to just provide a uh, a community of like-minded individuals mm. um, to bounce and share ideas off. Um, I think that's you know I'm 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 all for um, you know sharing value, <clears throat> adding value, and just being part of you know a community of Maori and Pacific Island entrepreneurs is is that's just being around uh, like-minded individuals yeah. would, would definitely help. <clears throat> Hey, Sione, thank you so much for your, for your time this morning, bro. Really, really appreciate it. I uh, loved um, you know, getting your feedback about your career, and there's quite a few things in there that I, that I didn't know. So, um, like I said, you know, I've been sort of following your journey you know, ever since you know, you're playing league. I was, a, I, was a, I was a big fan of yours. And then with the, with the book and with um, Athlete Empire, I've been sort of watching that as well. So it's really cool to see yeah. where you've taken it to and um, look forward to seeing the impact that, that you are having now with Athlete Empire and um, how that future looks for you and with ourselves, uh, my team, myself and the team at Nisian Network, we're here to do what we can to help you out to achieve your goals as well and really appreciate your time, um, you know, giving up your time today. So thank you, bro. Awesome. No, you're welcome. Thanks, bro. Had a, had a, had a good chat and uh, love the um, love the Nisian Network concept and, and look forward to seeing it grow. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Sione. Cheers, bro.